Welcome to the ninth episode of Views to All 2020 Recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Armstrong, and joining me as always is a Canadian who is so excited to podcast about this episode that he's wearing his special black dungarees for the occasion, Logan Saunders. Good evening. Good evening. It is a very weird podcast for us because we are currently two hours apart, despite the fact that clocks changed last night. And I am, for once, sat in a hotel room and Logan's not sat next to me. Yeah, you're the one that's on the road and not me. Yeah, for once we are going to begin with where in the world is Michael Armstone? And the answer is, I am currently sat in a hotel room in Austin, and by the time this comes out, I will be home in cold, rainy England. Old Austin, Texas? Yeah, everything is literally bigger here. In fact, I got surprised this morning when I went to the uh, the breakfast in the hotel that their waffle machine genuinely makes waffles in the shape of Texas. That is awesome. It is awesome, and it is also ridiculous. I actually had to text my parents a picture of it this morning, going, what the hell, Texas? Just, what the hell? <laughs> it's nuts. Um, and as I was saying to you before we actually started recording, I have never driven around so many people who are aggressive as all hell on the roads. Like, we drove between Houston and Austin yesterday, because it's Sunday today. We drove yesterday the 150 or so miles uh, between Houston and Austin. And the sheer level of aggression that Texan drivers seem to show is bonkers. Like, I will never complain about the commute to work ever again in terms of people being really aggressive. You should hit up uh, uh, Manila. (laughs) Yeah, it's sort of a wonderfully lethal combination because up until this week I had A, never driven abroad, B, never driven on the wrong side of the road, and C, never driven in an automatic car. And I've had plenty of experience of all three of those things now. What happens in Texas? Everything is bigger, including the level of aggression. So it's not no ghost town experience like almost everywhere else in the world due to coronavirus? Like there's still lots of people out and about? Yeah, but there is a quite a high level of irony because Southwest Southwest is meant to be in Austin next week and the city of Austin have cancelled it because of coronavirus. So I genuinely know about two or three people who are meant to be going to South by Southwest, have all their accommodation and flights booked and everything, and now have to decide whether they want to actually travel to Austin or not. Meanwhile, I'm just here like, it is far warmer than home, everyone seems very pleasant unless you're driving with them, and it's it's just a nice getaway. Nice getaways are nice when you don't have too much planned. Yeah, we we really haven't planned much at all for this because it was kind of a surprise getaway. And one of those getaways where I book it and go, oh yeah, I actually still have to remember to podcast about Vidum, don't I? That's going to end well. <laughs> because that did happen about five minutes after I booked the flights to uh, to Houston was me going, oh no, I do actually still have to podcast then. That's not going to end well. <laughs> and a couple of bits of housekeeping to begin the episode with. Uh, number one is the fact that about an hour after this episode comes out, it will officially be David Bindley's birthday. So happy birthday, friend of the podcast, Bindles. Given that by the time the Belgian one comes out, it won't be his birthday anymore. This is technically his birthday podcast. So, hi, Bindles. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Bindles. Miss you. And about an hour before we started recording this podcast, um, Rosa on Twitter pointed out that the choice was not between wisdom and happiness this season. It's the choice between wisdom and luck, apparently. And luck was the choice that led you to the green exemption, apparently. And you get through to the next episode based on luck or wisdom, which led to the black exemption and the people knowing the most about them all going through. She just said she wanted to clarify it because it was the theme of the season. So thank you, Rosa, for that. Hmm. So Rick screwed that up. Yeah, let's just blame it on Rick. It's easier. I'm sure he was just reading the notes. 
So previously, the final five pedaled dangerously around Luo Yang, but he got abandoned and Milushka won an exemption for the episode. On a big glass bridge, it was absolute chaos, but not as much as it was for everyone's suspect, Leone, who was sent home. Milushka may have been saved. Yeah. Yeah, it was Rob Leone or Milushka who were kind of on the bubble going into last week, wasn't it? Yeah, because well, Rob and Buddy both got the green screens from the non-elimination round. Or Nate, or Nate, Nathan, Nathan and Buddy. Yeah, Nathan and Buddy got the green screens, so uh, the other three were kind of on the bubble, and we'd assumed that it was Leone who was probably going to have been saved by that non-elimination, but still. It may very well have been Milushka. Yeah, because then she got an exemption in Final Five. And, once again, we go through another non-elimination round this episode. I know, there's so many non-elimination episodes this season. It's as many as a season of Amazing Race. This is the third one. Yeah, I think we kind of need to to delve into this season being a bit weird, because I was trying to kind of explain it to you on chat earlier, but this season is a very atypical season of Vistamol, because, number one, we start with the final four going into the final test, which has only ever happened once before, and it's the first time it's happened since 2007. Number two... We go into the final test with everyone being on the same mole, which hasn't happened in years. The previous few years have kind of been, publicly at least, everyone suspecting different people and then someone being surprised in Vondelpark. And this goes back to the, the theory that I said to you, which is that the story this season is not who is the mole, it is who is the winner. Who's going to win the 20th anniversary? Yeah, because there's been way more suspects for winner this season than there has Mole, I would say. Because most of the time, we were basically between us on Milushka and Rob. And I don't think that really changed much in the season. I mean, Buddy kind of got a look in, Leone got a bit of a look in. But I don't think there was many concrete suspects apart from Milushka and Rob this season, for us at least. And I think that was kind of the same for a lot of people. I think the strange thing about all of this is the fact that everybody was on Leone. And then as soon as she goes home, everybody's in on Rob. Like, it's very interesting to see everybody have the exact same thinking for who they suspected from day one. And then as soon as that suspect goes, everyone has the same number two that gets bumped up. Yeah. I don't know whether it's because Leone went home at final five and therefore they couldn't really tell the story of who people suspected from the start because nobody suspected them all from the start. But they seem to be telling the story of who wins more than they've told the story of who the mole is. And, I mean, all of the other three who aren't Rob, because let's be honest, we both still suspect him, the other three who aren't Rob have all had kind of winner content during the season. And it's been more of a murder mystery to try and work out who the winner is than the mole. So what happens if Rob's not the mole? If Rob's not the mole, then it's Buddy and Rob wins, probably. Well, he's the only one who suspects them, so I think that probably may or may not be bumped up to a certainty. Yeah, but do you think that production would step in if everyone got it wrong and say, no, someone needs to find him? (laughs) Well, you know what would help if no one was on to the mole? Is have a final three at the end instead of a final four. It would, and I think that that's more of a conversation for next week when we do the... um the kind of season wrap-up, but I really don't like Final Fours. Because <laughs> there's still a chance that all four people could be wrong. It could still be Malushka, it could be Nathan. That's the thing, I mean, I know I talk about Gilles de Costa so much on these podcasts, but the one kind of major takeaway that I had from our interview with him is production always wants someone to find them all, which is why 
I'm reasonably confident that the people going, but everyone suspects Rob, therefore it can't be Rob, are wrong. Because if everyone suspects Rob, and Rob is the mole, then Rob gets revealed pretty quickly next week, and the actual mystery is who out of the other three wins. It's the three-way tie. Who got the fastest time? Because <laughs> I can see it from production point of view of the way they can set it up at Vondel Park is not even do the usual thing of, Nathan, you're not the mole and you're not the winner. They can do an immediate reveal of Robber's mole and then do the, you're not the winner, you're not the winner, Milushka, you're the winner, or whatever. Yeah, because all three, if, it, if all three picked him as the mole, then, then the anticipation is, yeah, which of the three was able to get through that 40-question quiz? Yeah. I think that's how they're going to frame it this year rather than the ambiguity over who the mole is because, I mean, the Netherlands have been on Rob nearly as long as I have. They're definitely on Rob now. I think it's about 70% in the app that Rob is the mole. The ambiguity is going to come from who the winner is, I would say. That's why it just seems too easy. Like I just can't see production making that obvious of the mole where the contestants are on the same page as all of the fans. Not just the hardcore fans, but the casual fans too. I mean, seventy when it's four people and you have all the contestants and seventy percent of the fans all on the same person. Like that's not that's not a really shocking reveal from a production standpoint. You think in the editing room that they can do a better job. Like even on the final quiz, you don't publicly announce in the episode that all you know the other three people are all on the same mole. If that's the case, it's like well we got to create a little bit of doubt for the audience and have the contestants just say, this person did this, that person did that, and then you probably don't get that insane 70% that just expect Rob to be the mole. Yeah. I am wondering why they're doing it this way, because it doesn't make an awful lot of sense from what we know about previous mole seasons. They Usually, if everyone is on the same mole, they will just not show anyone's suspicions. But they have gone through a run in the past few years of showing everyone's suspicions because at least one person is wrong. And the thing is about having it be, it just seems odd to switch it to the mystery of who the winner is. Because the, sh- because the show is V is the mole. The whole mystery is around who the mole is. It's never been about figuring out who the winner is going to be. I know after 20 seasons, maybe you go to a different angle, especially if this is the extreme situation where all three people just lock in on the same person. I mean, Nathan didn't even spread between three people on the final quiz. But I think that's what makes me really doubt Rob being the mole now. And I'm thinking, hmm, a much, much, much better ending is having Rob be the winner and unmask Buddy as the mole. That is a way better outcome for the season. And you still fit the whole Jill DeCoster mentality of having somebody unmask the mole, and who better than the person that everyone assumed to be the mole, the audience and the contestants included, at the very end. It would essentially be like with uh, Ruben, uh, with the Georgia season, where everyone, where like nearly the entire cast was locked in on Ruben, and then boom, he's, he's the winner, and he was the one who unmasked the mole. Yeah. I'm wondering whether the shock value from Rob being mole will come from the hidden clues and that sort of stuff, rather than him being the mole itself. I guess we'll find out in Vondel Park. Yeah, I suspect that if Rob is the mole, and if that clue that I talked about last week is correct, then that will be how they reveal him. It'll be 
panning back to those Chinese drummers and then having Rob look up like he does in like he did in some of the family photos and then step forward and say, I'm the mole. Yeah. Uh, and in his usual start of episode speech, uh, Rick essentially confirms there's no mid-episode elimination and the next test is the final one. And the episode title is Steering. And Buddy and Malushka get two room together in 217 and they're both confused at Leone going home and Buddy still suspects that there's a twist that she will return. <laughs> and in room 215, Nathan and Rob share a room and Nathan has a winning mentality but only to put money in the pot. And he doesn't actually necessarily want to win the show. He just kind of wants to play for the team and see someone else win. And the episode begins on day 17. And as with every episode this season, they're in Liuyang, specifically at the Ancient Tombs Museum. And Nathan gets an appreciative confessional again, seeing the statues representing the Zodiac animals. And then Rick meets them inside in front of a group of children doing Kung Fu. And I, I hate to compare this to Belgian Mole, but you compare this challenge to the Vietnamese martial art challenge last year in Belgian Mole, the night and day, aren't they? Yeah. The Vietnamese martial arts challenge was probably the coolest challenge I've ever seen on Mole. This is kind of okay, but, I mean, it's a really bad sabotage from Rob. That's that's what kind of soils this for me. It's a really, really bad sabotage if he's Mole. Because it's so blatant. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's a lethal combination of so blatant and illogical as all hell. 1600? So Rick says that Kung Fu is all about dedication, and they will watch the Kung Fu presentation again and have to identify movements which represent monetary amounts that they can earn for the pot. And they can earn up to 1750 for the pot if they're correct. And they will watch it in pairs, and it's Milushka and Nathan and Buddy and Rob. This is probably the moment where everyone's like, yeah, we're suspecting Rob as the mole. <laughs> he didn't even try. <laughs> See, the central question for me this episode is, why are they showing us everyone suspecting Rob? And I'm wondering whether this challenge is the reason, because if he was told that nobody suspected him going into the penultimate test, which he probably was, if he's Mole, then that he'd need to do something unsubtle and blatant in the first challenge to kind of get somebody to suspect him. Then he does something really unsubtle and blatant, and then everyone just goes, yeah, it's Rob, it's easy now. But... Everyone, as soon as Leone was executed, though, even even on the previous quiz, you had Nathan saying, ah, Rob really messed up on the bridge. I really think it's him now. Because that was a bl- considered a blatant sabotage by mole standards. They were screwing up the communication. I'm sure that everyone else probably had Rob as a secondary suspect at that point already. And then if this is, if Rob already knew people suspect him to be the mole, which they knew Nathan was suspecting him, especially after Leone execution, then this is just way overboard in terms of how you sabotage if you're the mole. And then you think of the whole, and what, what's much more subtle is with what Buddy did during this challenge of, we all suspect Rob is the mole, so I'm not going to say anything, even though I know the answer, and just let Rob screw it up. It's just a bizarre, it's just a, a whole series of events is really bizarre if Rob is indeed the mole. It makes more sense if Buddy's the mole, because he's like, well, I'm going to let Rob just have all of the attention on him while I just point and laugh from the sidelines. Yeah, it's just a weird challenge, this one. And as I wrote down when I was looking at this challenge, logically you know that zero one's going to appear because there's no notes that are five euro notes in the entire mole money. So it has to end with a zero, number one. 
Number two is that either one or two is going to appear because this season is not made of money. They're not going to give you four plus grand for one challenge and an all or nothing challenge at that. So you know it's either going to be one or two that they start with, which narrows it down to seven easily. In fact, it narrows it down even further because you know there's going to be no number five in there, probably, because there's no five note. You know it's not going to start with anything above two, really, because they're not made of money. And you know the zero one's going to be there. So, realistically, you're down to six moves being ambiguous before you even start the challenge. And that's why all three of them were... three. All three besides Rob were able to lock in on the number quite easily. Yeah, and then Nathan and Milushka also realize there's no kicking move, so that rules another three out. And then six doesn't appear either, so it narrows it down to six numbers, even not considering the the rules that I set out. So they work out really quickly that it's 1,750, and Rob claims to Buddy that he saw everything except numbers two, four, and eight. So he seems to be under the impression that it's the most expensive task in mole history. That they are giving them a seven-figure prize for one challenge about Kung Fu. And Buddy also says that it's super impressive that the kids can do all of the uh, the Kung Fu because they're still kids. So are you. We've established that all season. <laughs> you look like you're no older than 13. Yeah, Buddy, you are essentially the youngest person ever to do a mole challenge. And yes, I'm including the Vidim Junior seasons. I'm surprised Buddy wasn't doing karate with the kids. I'm surprised Buddy was even let out of the uh, let out of the country on his own because usually he got to be 16 to fly. He must have had a parent and or a guardian sign his permission slip. <laughs> I just love the idea of Buddy getting all the way to China and then a parent and or guardian having to sign a permission slip for him to get a visa. <laughs> Dear parent and our guardian, your student buddy Vetters <laughs> has been invited to participate on a school field trip overseas to China for three weeks. He'll be under the careful watch and care of our production crew and our teachers. Please sign below if you allow Buddy Vetters to go <laughs> to go on this trip. Thank you, Principal Skinner. Did you know that Buddy is um, one of the judges on the Dutch Mass Singer? By the way. <laughs> He is? I can't remember whether it was discussed this before. Yeah, he is. He's that famous? Uh, apparently so, but I, I found this out because the winner of last year's Mass Singer was on Vidim already. She was on Vidim in 2013. So I think it's her as the winner, and then Buddy was on the panel and is now obviously on Vidim and potentially going to be a runner-up because I don't think he's winning. And then I think another one of the judges was also on Vidim and was a really early boot in 2014, I think. So, like, there's loads of Vidim connections to Mass Singer now. It's weird. I think it's just that there's been so many, quote-unquote, celebrities on Vidim that the connections are inevitable since they're all in the entertainment industry. Yeah, maybe. What I'd love is, if Rob is the mole, he ends up going on Mass Singer this year as well. And just seeing if Buddy recognises him. Yeah. Bring his mandolin. Well, anything to cover up the terrible tattoos. <laughs> he just needs to make sure he gets a um, a character where he can wear um, wear his special black dungarees. I guess how many how many celebrity? I guess they've done what seventeen celebrity seasons now. 
only like the first two or three were civilian. Yeah, seventeen is now. Yeah, I think no, no, it isn't it's um, it was season five. It started with so sixteen, sixteen um, celebrity seasons. So that's like one hundred and sixty people in the Dutch entertainment industry who who have now been on. Uh, who have now been on Vidum, whether it be entertainment in terms of sports or music or TV and stuff. Yeah, so that's a fair amount for a, real, a country with a relatively small population. They can't have that many uh, enter- entertainment figures. And interestingly, with this challenge as well, um, Nathan as treasurer gets a special role. He gets to choose who um, who gets to read out the amount of money, and only if his instinct on who is correct is right will they actually earn any money. And he thinks that Rob and Buddy saw the amount as well. So Buddy decides to let Rob say what he saw. Rob had no idea. He guessed 1,600. And Buddy doesn't correct him. Nope. But this is why it was a terrible sabotage, is because the numbers were unique. That was established already. So for Rob to have seen 1,600, he would have then had to have seen the 1, the 6, and the 0 move twice, which wasn't happening. Yeah, that was very, very blatant. Way too blatant for a mole. It was a terrible sabotage. And... I don't think Rob was told to be that blatant, but I think that they had to include this obviously, which meant that they basically had to include that everyone suspected him. I think this challenge is the reason that they had to show everyone suspect Rob as Mole. I'm trying to think of like the most obvious sabotage from Belgian Mole last year, and that would have been, and that the most obvious sabotage from last year was really subtle with Elizabeth, where it was. Uh, where it was subtle for the viewer, that is, where it was the challenge where they had to, the ship, the boat challenge was the one that made Boss and Axe uh, suspect Elizabeth. And as a viewer, that's a sabotage you wouldn't really catch on to all that well because of the way she positioned everybody in the challenge and that she couldn't, uh, that she couldn't swim. But here it's, this was just 10 times more blatant and obvious than that, especially with how much of the spotlight is on him. And it's, it's like Dennis Rod. It makes t- makes me think of like Celebrity Mole Yucatan, where Dennis Rodman was trying his hardest in the finale to make Mark Curry suspect him before the final quiz. He knew Mark Curry was onto Angie as the mole, and then Dennis Rodman just sabotaged everything he could just so Mark Curry lost focus and decided to p- pin him as the mole, and that's how Rodman won the season. That could very well be what Rob was doing, where he's thinking, hmm, I'm pretty sure Buddy is the mole now. I got to make everybody think it's me. So when the spotlight is shining on him in that moment, he's thinking, hmm, I got to intentionally mess this up because I'm never going to get a better chance to make everyone think I'm the mole uh, before the final test. Here's the reason I think you're wrong on that. And it goes to the next assignment because there were no sabotages at all from anyone. In the next challenge. That we know of. I mean, they won money, but there could have been a sausage burned or a pancake tossed or not as much, or none of a heart, not as much of a hard sell with the Chinese locals. The fact that we saw and basically had it confirmed that there was no sabotages in the next challenge suggests to me heavily that the mole massively screwed up in the previous challenge and needed to minimize uh, suspicion so that everyone didn't suspect it. Or the fact that the pot has been really low and they were into... Had they cracked 10,000 yet? Uh, no, they were still on 9980 at this point. Yeah, that could influence it too. Because <laughs> they were at a lower total than 
the Columbia group was last year at that point. Because the Columbia group at least passed 10,000 after the first final challenge, right? The first challenge in the finale, they passed 10,000. Yeah, but they only had two challenges in that finale last year. Yeah, but the, but the final challenge that we have coming up could see a lot of money being lost. So maybe the producers are like, hmm, the next challenge could go very poorly. <laughs> Let's make sure they cross the 10,000 mark. So the next assignment is at the night market, and Rick's face is a picture. <laughs> they get to make Dutch treats in food carts, and the more money they take, the more money they will make for the pots. They have two hours, and there is no maximum amount of money for this challenge. That's the thing, too. Like they, It could have been, maybe it was easy to make 2,000 euros for this challenge. Well, the only rule for actually earning any money was that every transaction was worth 25 euros. That was the rule. Mm -hmm. So the only mole sabotage you could have is putting an expensive price on it to try and discourage quantity of purchases rather than quality of them. Right. That's the only sabotage I can think of. And Milushka is basically the only person who can cook in these final four, so this will end badly. (laughs) And she basically appoints Buddy as head of marketing so he gets to set the prices. Milushka says she's never made pancakes from a box, and Nathan says that all he brings to a household is a smile. He only knows how to fry an egg. And this is essentially just a character challenge. They're going to earn a lot of money out of this, although Rick does massively cheat them out of uh, five euros at the end. Get a drink! <laughs> you know what, what would be very interesting is to see what the night market is like today. I think that night market might be a very empty place if they were to redo that challenge today. Be like, hmm, I think you're going to be lucky to have two or three transactions if you try to redo this challenge. You earned a massive 75 euros for the pot. (laughs) And um, and an N95 mask. And Nathan and Rob decide to make troop waffles because they don't have to do much on it. And Buddy starts handing out licorice, and it does not work because people don't like licorice, Buddy. In Philippines, they don't even have licorice. Like, my girlfriend, Jeanne, she just has, when she uh, came here for Christmas, she's like, what's that? I'm like, oh, this is this is licorice. They just don't have licorice in the Philippines. Yeah, licorice is one of those flavors that people either love or hate. There's absolutely no middle ground for licorice for most people. I guess it's mainly just North American and European treat then? Yeah. I'm not a fan of it, as you might have guessed. <laughs> yeah, like, it's big here. I mean, look at the movie Wayne's World. Garth couldn't get enough of it. And Nathan and Rob decide to change tactics and make smoked sausage sandwiches. And Buddy resorts to feeding people the pancakes. And he ends up changing tactics and aiming for the kids. And they get 49 transactions of €25 apiece for a total of €1,225 for the pots. And as Rick doesn't have a €5 note, it gets rounded down to 1220 And I'll have to say this now. Why on earth are they building a challenge that is making it increasingly likely that they will end up having to take money off of the pot because they don't have a five euro note. The fact that they sold, that they got 25 per transaction, there's a 50-50 shot that the group was going to get gypped. Oh, that's an offensive term now, isn't it? Yeah, that's why I said cheated out of it earlier. <laughs> cheated, cheated out of, sorry, cheated out of future Michael edit this out. Oh, I've not heard that phrase in years. <laughs> cheated out of cheated (laughs) or you can leave that in and everyone is 
now everyone knows that I'm culturally aware and can catch myself in time. Show notes, Logan is needlessly offensive. <laughs> it was such a common phrase growing up. I bet you... I bet you like 75% of people don't even know that's offensive. That's like a phrase that you only learn is offensive if you're online. Yeah, it's still a very common phrase in the UK, I'll be honest. Yeah. Like, I have aunts and uncles who still refer to Asians as Oriental, and they don't even, they're not even aware. They're not, they have no clue that that's an offensive term. I've had to tell them that where it's like, no, you can't say that word anymore. So now when they're talking around me, they'll, they'll say Oriental at first and then correct themselves because they know I'm going to make that same joke again. Because that's just what they said growing up, and it's a tough habit to break when you've been saying that for, you know, 40 or 50 years. And it's I think it's the same way with using the word uh, gypped. Bleep. I'm going to be honest, I will have to just bleep out everything you just said. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going to get all that hate mail now. Yeah, I'll, I'll do my usual trick of uh, replacing it with the phrase bacon and Tory spelling. Yeah. Any censored words. But yeah, why did they build a challenge where there is a 50% chance that they're going to have to take money out of the pot because they just haven't had the foresight to put a note in? Well, you guys just cracked 10,000. It's just way too much for producers. We need to save on these five euros. I'm wondering whether they did so badly this season that they upped this challenge from 20 euros a piece or something. Or even 10 euros. Yeah. It just doesn't make a lot of sense, them doing it this way. I mean, the pot is really... I mean, it's crazy to think that this the pot going into this challenge is lower than where we were at, we were at last year, which was already considered the lowest pot possible <laughs> out of any mole season anywhere on the planet. Contrast that with, like, Belgium, which usually has pots of about between 30 and 50k. Yeah, and... They're slightly cheaper, to, a slightly cheaper country to live in, in contrast to Netherlands. Yeah, I mean, I, I think even, I even skipped the the quote that was going to be your um, your intro this week of Buddy finding out that their cart's really expensive. It's so expensive in Holland, and your intro was going to be uh, the the guy who knows how expensive Holland is. Well, yeah, from our day trip in Amsterdam. Remember some of the shops we went into? Yeah, it's. It's very expensive in Amsterdam, especially. Believe me, I'm I'm going there in like what five days. <laughs> yeah, just think because these are all entertainers too. Probably all I'd assume all of them live in Amsterdam, right? That's really the only entertainment area in the country. Rotterdam, I guess. Yeah, maybe like Rotterdam, The Hague, those sort of areas. Yeah, but they're also like Rotterdam is just slightly cheaper than Amsterdam, but not by that much but amsterdam yeah it's like number one where where most of these contestants are from or are living and we know just how bloody expensive it is like finding accommodation or food or anything i can't even imagine what rent is like per month there i'm almost too scared to look it up so it's very surprising that the pond is just so much smaller compared to other versions like with the american version of the mole and this was 20 years ago so just think where the value of money was um, I believe, what was it, season two had, was it half a million dollars by the end? USD? 560, I think it was, 560k. Yeah, and that was back in 2001, where it was 560,000 USD, which would probably be about, what would it be today, like 400,000, 350? No, it'd be, it'd be worth more than that. It'd be worth more than 560k, because of inflation. Oh, yeah, that's right, that. 
Yeah, that's what I mean. I'm trying to think. <laughs> I'm, I was thinking of equivalent to how far it would go today, <laughs> which doesn't make as much sense. Yeah, it, w- it would be somewhere in the region of about 600k after Obama took his share. Thanks, Obama. Yeah, 560, so maybe like 700k. I mean, yeah, 700k is what it would be at uh, today. So, and that and USD is pretty much on par with Euro. So just think of that instead of winning 700,000 euros for a season of Vidim, you might get like 12,000, which I don't even want to know what that percentage is. And when they scale down the American version for season five, the final season that they did 13 years ago. Uh, that makes me feel so old, by the way. I know, doesn't it? The revival season was 13 years ago. The fact that Paul Free in van number two was 13 years ago. I know. Because I remember how excited I was. Like, Mole's been gone forever. It's been gone for four years in the States since Celebrity Mole Yucatan. Man, I can't believe they're bringing it back after all these years. And then you skip ahead to 2020. (laughs) The real question for us is whether the gap between um, Celebrity Mole Yucatan and the revival season will be longer or shorter than the gap between Amazing Race 31 and 32. (laughs) <laughs> it's getting there. And also the gap between Amazing Race 33, legs 1 to 3 filming, and legs 4 to 12 filming. <laughs> because at the current rate, it could be four years. And Bird Tram's already in the 70s. The clock is ticking. But yeah, then the mall season 5 with the American version was 400,000, I think? And that was with budget cuts. Yeah, Mark didn't end up doing too badly on that season, I seem to remember, despite never actually working out who the mall was till the end. Till the final round. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds familiar. Yeah. So Rick finishes day 17 by saying that they sold without a mole among them, and they have one challenge on day 18 left, a mind game with the mole, but they must take a risk in order to play. And the final challenge of the season takes place at the Lijiang Gate, and they must bet either 500 euros, 1,000 euros, or 1,500 euros from the pot, and then walk a route along the gate... Uh, with six boxes alongside it, where there could be the chance of making money or absolutely nothing. If there's money in the box that they choose, then the money is doubled and put back into the pot. If they pick an empty box, then any money that could have been in there is lost from the pot. And the person who spreads the money in the boxes is the mole, and the mole also gets to call them as they're walking along the route to try and psych them out. And Rob is the first person up. He bets a thousand euros, and Rick wishes him luck and wisdom. And he gets a phone call from the mole telling him the money is in room one. He chooses room two, and in that box there is 250 euros. The next call says that box three contains money. He trusts the mole that time, but there is nothing inside it. And the final call tells him to choose box six. His gut tells him to choose five. He earns another 250 euros for the pot, which means he earns absolutely nothing overall. And... This also goes back to what I think the moles should do in this challenge, which is not necessarily lose money, but just ensure that they don't gain money. Because especially as the mole is the only person who will know actually how much is going to get taken out of the pot thanks to the laser game, this challenge is basically just to balance out that money for me, I would say. They're going to have a slight profit with this challenge, though. Yeah. Spoilers, they do end up getting 2,500 euros out of this challenge, but in reality, they're probably only going to actually earn about 1300 from this challenge and the laser game combined, which are the two challenges this season. They've not told them how much they earned on. Which pretty much equals, almost is identical to what everyone won last year with the Columbia. 
Yeah, I mean, it'll end up with the season earning slightly more money than last year, but it's there's going to be about a thousand euros in it at most, I think. Uh, so Nathan is up second. He, as treasurer, bets five hundred euros, and his tactic is to follow the mole's instructions. In box one is a five hundred euro note, so his challenge is complete already. Milushka is the third up. Her choice is fifteen hundred euros. As you either go all or nothing, go big or go home. And her first call says not to put her hand in box one or two. She goes for box one. It is empty. The next call says box three and four are both empty again. But she chooses box three, which contains a thousand euros. And the final call says to go to box six. She goes for box six and finds the remaining five hundred euros, doubling her fifteen hundred euro stake. And then Buddy is last up. He gambles fifteen hundred euros as well. And he hopes he will be the only person to go for fifteen hundred euros, just so the pot isn't completely drained. And the first call is that box 1 contains money. He picks it and gets 500 euros. The next call is that box 3 contains money. He ignores it and then 500 euros from box 4. And the final call is that box 6 contains money. He tries to play a mind game with the mole and goes back and forth between box 5 and box 6. But he goes back to box 5 and it's empty and he earns 500 euros overall. And for the second time this season, Rook refuses to tell them how much money they earned until the finale, just like the later game. But, as we know, they earn €2,500 of a possible 6000 for the challenge, which brings them up to, currently, 13700 of 53580 for the season so far, only excluding the laser game now. And Rick, Rick says they never won a full amount in any challenge this season. No, which is kind of spoilers for the laser game, because they could have all got all of their targets. <laughs> Um, well, considering we saw the contestants get their own target shot in the laser game, we we, we know already that wasn't the case. <laughs> I think pretty much everyone got all four of their targets shot in the laser game. <laughs> I think it's going to be bad for the contestants, that challenge. And Rick tells them to prepare for the final test. And nobody told them they were in the finale. And Nathan actually sets Vidum history, as in 20 seasons, he's the first athlete ever to make the finale. Really? Yeah, I didn't know this until Bindles uh, mentioned it a couple of days ago to me, but uh, yeah, Nathan is apparently the only athlete ever to make the final test. It's, it's an asterisk, sadly, because of it being a Final Four. And did you notice where the final test took place? No, I did not. It was at the White Horse Temple. And I actually had the note, haven't they been there before? And the answer, as with this season, because it's basically all been in the same city, is yes, they have. Three challenges. The grounds of the White Horse Temple is actually where the voice mole uh, challenge took place, in the Field of Wheat. Oh, okay. That took place in the grounds of the White Horse Temple. Man, that's one way to cut on budget. You just reuse the same locations near the hotel. Yeah, so they've reused a location for the first time in a long while. That's, that's a bit sad that this is the 20th season. It could have been... It could have had these massive challenges. You go with the biggest laser game ever seen. Like, look at Survivor Winners at War. They doubled the prize money to $2 million. They tried to do a couple of ep- epic builds and a couple of epic challenges so far in the first few episodes. And here we are with Vidim. They have the smallest laser game ever, potentially the smallest pot ever, depending on how much they lost in the laser game, and, like, reusing the same locations, never leaving the same city. Like, there's been seasons of Vidim where they use, well, two years ago they used six countries for a single season and here they barely leave the one town they were in except to go to like the 
adjoining uh, villages. I think they are now safe from having the lowest pot ever. It's close, though. If I remember rightly, last season was 10,150 that they ended with. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. they won't get as low as Columbia, but that's only because of this, of that, uh, of the night market challenge where everything got really inflated. Yeah, because they, they only, if I remember rightly, they only actually made above 10,000 euros on the very last challenge. It was on challenge two of, uh, of the finale last year that they made over 10,000. Because I remember Niels and Sarah being very excited by it. Right. So yeah, it's it's a shame that they're having to, to reuse stuff. Because I think there's got to be more of a story that we don't know about there. Kind of like with how Columbia was a backup location. Yeah. It just feels like... It feels like there's more to this than we're being told. I agree. If you ask me, at least. It doesn't feel like... Like everything went to plan for production this season. Which is sad, but hopefully they're considering the um, the effect that that has on next season, because it better be better next season. <laughs> I know we'll get into this next week, but ugh. <laughs> so, well, how much of a difference will it make to you if Buddy is the mole instead of Rob, in terms of how you view the season? I mean, it'll be great, because he would have been my first instincts, but I'm 99.99% confident it's not Buddy. I cannot see Buddy being the mole. And I know this is famous last words, but I genuinely cannot see Buddy being the, the mole at the end. What if it's Malushka or Nathan? If it's Malushka or Nathan, that's amazing. If it's Malushka, mm. then she's probably my favourite mole ever. But it's not. It's Rob. It has to be Rob. Do you think 20 seasons in, they're like, hey, we gotta have... What if we have this crazy ending after 20 seasons? It's never happened before, never been done, where nobody unmasks the mole at the end. I don't think that a season would be satisfying if no one works it out. And I've said this before. I feel like someone has to work it out, which means it's either Rob or Buddy. But also, it feels like it went a little bit off the rails this week, and that Rob is the mole... But Rob made it too obvious in that first challenge and was told under no uncertain terms to rein it back in in the Night Market challenge and to rein it back in in the Gate challenge. Because he didn't play those two challenges like a mole. He played them as a contestant. And I would argue that nobody played either of those last two challenges like a mole would. Probably saw the pot was so damn low. <laughs> I feel like the very last challenge that was actually mould this season was the Kung Fu challenge. And that's only the one where they didn't really earn any money. Yeah, and I feel like Rob probably overplayed his hand and got a severe bollocking after that and was basically told to rein it in. That's how I feel on it. Like they needed someone to unmask him, but he was too blatant to guarantee all three said, well, we know what's Rob now. Because I know you mentioned the Nathan mentioning him from last week, because I pointed it out last week, but if I went back and had a look at last week's episode, I wouldn't be surprised if Nathan's quote was exactly from when he said it again this week. I think there may have been some Franken edit in there, and they've put that into last week's episode as well, thinking no one would notice, because then that set up the narrative of somebody realising that Rob is the mole. 
I mean, it was maybe that's explain why Nathan wins is because he was the first one onto him. Yeah, maybe. I'm not 100% that that quote is identical between the two weeks, but I really wouldn't be surprised if it is. Because Nathan said something very similar to what he said last week, this week as well. The weird thing about this episode is just how much airtime Buddy got too, where it was all about him trying to throw everyone off with, like, Rob's my mole and I'm going to prove it in front of everybody. Where that one, just how much focus was on him, because Malushka didn't really get that much airtime this week. Nathan didn't get that much airtime this week either. It was all Rob and Buddy. Now, the narrative we've had this season, winner-wise, is that it was going to come down to Buddy and Malushka. Because we've heard it said a couple of times that if those two compete, we don't know who's going to win. So I feel like those are going to be your top two. And also, I think it was Malushka who said that um, that Nathan is the worst finalist ever. He just He doesn't want to win, he just wants to make everyone happy. Which is basically the narrative we've had of Nathan is, he's a great character, he's a really nice dude, but he cannot win them all. That's just not who he is. Yeah, he'll probably be fourth place. Yeah. So, gun to my head, I think it's probably Nathan is our fourth placer, and I'm leaning towards Milushka winning. This entire season has revolved around Milushka being a boss, and I feel like that's her narrative to finish the season with. I'll think Buddy is the winner and Rob is the mole. Well, obviously, I think Rob's the mole. I've thought that since week three, and if he is, then, you know, I'm going to be super smug when I do um, when I do the Life from Vondelbach stuff uh, at the weekend, but I think it's probably Malushka who's winning. And who is Michelle suspecting? Michelle still suspects either Malushka or Buddy, she said. So, as I said to her earlier, I think you're probably going to lose this year. <laughs> Watch Nathan be the mole. <laughs> oh, if Nathan's a mole, that would be the best, but still, I don't think he is. So Malishka says she was fully on Leone, and it's a miracle that she's still here. She has to choose, she can't spread, it's all or nothing, which we've been jumped over the head with this episode. And it's interesting actually contrasting that, because Rick has basically described the team the entire season as playing it a bit safe and getting a little bit in the pot rather than full-blown going all or nothing. So it'd be interesting if a season that is characterised as being playing it safe, is actually won by someone who fully admits that her tactic is just all or nothing balls to the wall, I'm going to win or I'm going to lose, doesn't matter which. She says that Buddy is the most fanatical finalist, he's been studying for days and he's determined to win, Rob is just celebrating that he's still here, it was his dream to make the finale, she describes Nathan as the worst finalist ever, he doesn't want to win, he just wants to make everyone happy, and she decides that Rob's the mole. Buddy says that he was very lucky, it's difficult to go on one person, but he will because he's convinced, and that's the only way to win. And that person is Rob. It was suspicious that he and Leone couldn't get out of the shock escape rooms. Rob suspects Buddy. During the second challenge last week, Rob mainly spoke with Nathan, who was doing well, but Buddy got himself very lost, and Nathan says that he's decided to go for Rob too. The glass bridge was suspicious, as we heard last week. And then Milushka says that Rob took centre stage at the temple, as the rest of them knew the value of the challenge. Buddy says Rob went first into the dragon village, and one of the envelopes was wrong. Rob says that the hovercraft was all buddy, they didn't succeed. So this entire narrative of this final episode is, we all know Rob is the mole, but who is going to win? It's a really weird season, and it's going to be fun to do a kind of autopsy on it next week and try and work out why this season has been so weird. It's eccentric. Rawr. So Rick greets them for the only time as finalists. 
the game is played and that means the end of a journey full of truth and lies, wisdom and happiness. And he will see them at the finale. And the reveal takes place at the Longmen Caves. Milishka says it's been one big adventure and she's grateful to have met everyone. But he says he'll remember the happy people. And I say maybe if he wins he can buy some jeans without holes in the knees. Nathan has enjoyed the team dynamic. And Rob says the adventure is amazing and he's proud of being in the finale. And to celebrate being in the finale, he's wearing a special black dungarees. And Rob says it's his boy's dream to be in the Vistamol finale. And Rick brings it back to wisdom or happiness, and he says that since then they've learned so much about Hinan especially. Well, mainly Liu Yang, let's be honest. He asks whether they're there because of wisdom, happiness, or because they are the mole. And he recaps the quotes that he gave them in the beginning, which obviously means that they're going to be very essential, because maybe if you put them all together and realise that the 20th letter spells out mole number 9, you'll realise it's Rob. And one of them has had a double agenda. It's the opponent in the middle of the game and has misled them the whole time. But who? There's one winner, two runners-up, and one mole. V. Is. De Mole. So next time, the entire cast returns in Vonderpark. Who will be the winner? Who will be the losers? And who will be the mole? And the good news is, you'll find out basically when I do. Because, as... Is now becoming an annual tradition, evidently. I'm going to be stood in the middle of Vondel Park for about five hours, absolutely knackered. And assuming there is enough content, you will get a special bonus episode on Monday with the Diary of a Dutch Mole finale. And then next Wednesday, we will have our finale recap, and I will be telling all the stories that I forget about from Vondel Park. Awesome. So we've already actually done our predictions, which is really fun. So I am on Rob as Mole and Milushka as Winner, and Logan is on Rob as Mole and Buddy as Winner. So have you got anything you want to say, Saunders? No, I'm ready to find this shit out. <laughs> so thank you for listening to our Vista Mole recap. We'll be back next week to wrap up the season of Dutch Mole Hunting. I will also be back next Monday with my Diary of a Dutch Mole finale, assuming there is enough content. And we are also beginning our Belgian mole coverage tomorrow, so don't miss out on that too. Don't forget you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram where we are RCB Warriors, or you can email us at contact at rtbwarriors.com, Logan on Twitter at logsipkwaki, and I am MJ Harmstone. See you next week for the final time this season. Peace out and just chill till the final of flavoring.